Coming up on the Open Source Podcast with Tony Motley, how the COVID-19 pandemic is changing how colleges deliver education. They're not freaking out. Um, I don't think that's the case in anybody I've talked to. But there is a heavy feeling like, wait a minute, folks, things are not the same. We cannot continue to do the same old, same old. You know, that's just, it's just not in the cards. So, but it's basically, you know, the feeling, which is you better man up and you better deal with it. It's certain that the COVID-19 pandemic has changed our worldview. In the future, we'll see life as before and after COVID-19. As the fall quickly approaches, universities are grappling with how they will prepare to serve their student populations. With more than 600,000 living alumni, including yours truly, the University of Michigan is one of the largest academic institutions in the United States. Tim Kiska has been teaching media and journalism studies at the University of Michigan's Dearborn campus for 20 years, and he joins me to share his insight on how education has been changed by the global pandemic. Tim, welcome to Open Source. Thank you so much for the invite. I'm here. Usually, people don't speak on issues like this. It's just, there's like hands off. Uh, Why are you so bold and daring, Tim? Well, I mean, first of all, I just want to make make sure, I'm sure I know you understand this, but I'm not speaking for the university. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm not in the administration building, anything like that. But once I'm just another guy in the trenches, uh, and, but on the other hand, you know, came okay, another guy in the trenches, but I think people might want to hear, I mean, it's a lot of times it's their tax dollars at work. They're trying to figure out, okay, you know, uh, you know, what goes on at this place too. And also, you know, obviously people are thinking, well, should I send my kid there or not? And, and I'm just another guy in the trenches. So, you know, we still, whatever I can do to enlighten anybody, I'm, I'm happy to do it. So, uh, and, and that's an interesting uh, perspective. Have people approached you, just regular folks in the community that know you're involved in, in education? Have they approached you and asked you, or what have they said to you? Well, I think there, yeah, there are so many questions um, out there, which is, I think one thing that people are thinking about, and they're not you know, always asking me directly, but okay, Tony, if you've got a 17-year-old uh, graduating senior, the question is, should I be sending them up to a dorm at Michigan State or Central or Northern? Uh, how does that work? Uh, do you want to be doing that? Uh, another question that gets out there is, okay, fine, you, uh, you, you enroll, but they're not holding face-to-face classes. Uh, you're just doing it, you're doing it online. Are you missing part of the university experience that way? Uh, and if so, if you're, if you're not getting the whole university experience, why are you paying that kind of, you know, why am I paying that kind of tuition? Uh, which is another question that I think people ask all the time. So, I mean, I, I think this, this thing is going to reverberate on a whole bunch of different levels. Uh, places like Michigan, Michigan state, uh, they make money off their football programs. You know, what happens if you don't have the football program? Uh, and, and this goes on and on and on, uh, you, you know, I mean, so I think this, this thing is rocking the very foundations of education, you know, higher education. Oh, it's, it's rocking the foundations of everything, as you know, I right. mean, uh, I, I everything. Think if you took a historical view, um, and in the past there've been, I know wars have interrupted 
education, like World War II had too. Um, but I, you don't really see much written about how uh, it impacted the college students. But what do, what do we know about similar disruptions and how they changed well, I mean, things? Well, there's never been anything quite this widespread. Uh, I mean, think of it, first of all, from a health perspective. I mean, when when have we ever had a situation where you could go someplace and you could catch something and you could die? You know, we've just never ridden with that. But you know, and and also at the exact same time, it's it's this widespread job loss. Uh, I think the latest numbers that you know that are just out yesterday was what fourteen and a half percent unemployment, and it's probably higher than that. My question is, okay, for my students, Tony and I, you know, you and I are in the same place. You know, almost everybody works. Uh, you know, they're doing everything from, you know, driving, you know, trucks to, you know, making pizzas. I mean, you name it, you name it, you know, working as clerks at retail establishments. Well, wait a minute. You know, they're, that's all gone right now. Is it coming back? Who knows? Uh, what about their folks? How many other folks have been tossed out of work? Uh, maybe working in a factory and, and, and aren't working at the moment. You know, who knows what you know what kind of speed the factories are going to be at. So I think we've never been in a situation like this, where you know the the, the whole foundation has just been somehow rocked uh, in, in a big way. So I mean, this is this is new territory, new territory entirely. When you think about income or and work. If people, a family hasn't had a, a paycheck in two months and they get back to work tomorrow, the thing is they've spent whatever savings they had. Um, can they afford now to send a kid to college now? That's, that's a that's great question. Issue. Yeah. That's a big issue. That's a large issue. Um, and so we're not going to really know, uh, you know, until the fall. Uh, if that's going to work, and 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 we don't even know right now. We're talking, Tony. I don't know how, you know, how long this podcast is going to be up, but we're talking. We're the third of the way through May. Uh, we still don't know what form we're going to be up in September. Are we going to be live, on you know, with an open campus, or are we going to be doing everything online? Nobody knows. Uh, nobody knows how that's going to work yet. And I think uh, as university has always uh, been forward thinking and. There have been classes online offer, but never to the level that they're doing. Right now, uh, the winter semester that just ended in the summer is all on can all online. Um, how are they going to how are they preparing to deliver if they have to the entire course catalog online? Well, what they're what they're doing is they put together a, a program um, that uh, you know they'll they'll help you transfer your courses online. So they've, they've spent a lot of time and a lot of effort, you know, giving you resources. So if you can, if you're totally befuddled, they've got some pretty smart people out there who are, who are helping on, on all this and, uh, you know, helping you do that. Uh, there are self days have also put some incentives out there, uh, in terms of, okay, if you get, you know, three of your courses all, all set online to go, you know, we've got a little, we've got an incentive here for you. Uh, I haven't looked at it closely, but I think it's course releases um, if if you get a certain number on there. Uh, so they're they're pushing everybody. I mean, not they're not being nasty about it, but they're they're pushing everybody. And I think most people realize 
you know, this is real, you know, and, and, and if you can't move your stuff online, well, you're going to be left in the dust because, you know, <laughs> we may not be live and, you know, in, in September. So you're, it's something that you just got to do. And, uh, you know, they've, they've been diplomatic about it, but I think everybody understands this is the reality, you know, and, and get used to it or, or die, you know. And I think, too, in a, in a broader view, there have been institutions like Arizona State University that's offered a really comprehensive online program before the pandemic. And they've made mm-hmm. significant headway and had, had a great success doing that. And I, I know that other institutions have looked at what Arizona State was doing, and and that's gotten their attention. Is, has that been discussed at the uh, University of Michigan at all? Quite a bit. Um, quite a bit at our shop, University of Michigan, Dearborn. Uh, they, they've been pushing now. Don't don't hold me to this, but a few, at least a few years. You know, maybe three or four years. Uh, to, to, they've been telling people, look, it really you need to get stuff online. You need to get stuff online. And um, in our particular department, uh, we started doing some stuff online, and it was quite successful. I mean, classes that. I mean, I had a class uh, in business automotive reporting last summer. That normally that one is something that you say business and automotive reporting people would go, this is going to be boring. I don't want to do that. Uh, and I usually I uh, would get just enough to get in, uh, get into the wire and get get the thing taught. Well, uh, I got, you know, so I'd, I'd have to get 10 students to make it. And I get about 10 students. I put this thing online. I got 17 right off, right out the chute. Uh, so uh, I'm only a guy with a double digit IQ, but I get the picture, uh, you know, that, uh, people like it. So no, they've been pushing us to, to pay more attention to this for a number of years now. And I, I think now it's gone from, you know, it'd be really good. You better do this. It's a good thing to do to, <laughs> you've got to do this, you know, and, and then there are no more excuses. There just aren't. I think that there might be some blowback from a, a few people, but you know, I mean, everybody just realizes this is the reality. I think too, uh, when you look at uh, having an open campus and all of the variables that are involved in that, mm-hmm. and I don't know how I'm not smart enough to know how we could keep a, a place clean. And when you get, the idea that people are going, not only coming to campus, but they're going to all kind of other places. If you look at it from the point of view of contact tracing, how could you right. ever really say it's safe? Exactly. I mean, you can't. And I, I know that that's something that they're gonna they're gonna have to. You know, I think they're talking about social distancing, but I, I think they're working this thing through. But, I, you know, that, for instance, if you think about it, you know, Tony, you, you've been there. So there might be a classroom with maybe room for 30 people. You know, maybe they'll uh, come back and say, OK, we're going to max this out at 15. So people are sitting, you know, chairs apart, uh, that sort of thing. So all of this right now is being thought through, you know. Uh, I mean, this only went down where we closed up uh go home into the date, but I think March 12th in through there, uh, you know, but midway through March, like everybody else went down. And I think right now they're just, okay, well, what are we going to do? How, how are we going to do this? And so I know all of this has been, is being, is being discussed. 
you know, and then uh, the chancellor's holding a uh, town meeting, I think, uh, early next week to deal with this and deal with deal with the questions. And, and you know, right now there aren't a lot of answers, um, uh, any firm or a lot of firm answers, because Tony, it's nobody knows. No, nobody knows what the this is going to look like in September. Is there going to be another wave? In other words, will this go down? Let's say July, and then come back with a vengeance in September. Um, if anybody knows the answer to that, they're the smartest person in the world. Yeah, and there's really no way to predict. And of course, you, no. you also have a ton of conspiracy theories about. Um, oh God! And 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 that you know that kind of adds to the people just kind of losing their minds about what's going on. But I think you know at the end of the day, uh, going to college, people sp- spend the money to improve their lives, and they're yes. spending a lot of money. Uh, and now they may not have that money. And it, it, yep. it's, it's a business decision, too. I think it's a business decision for the people that are students. It's a business decision for universities, too. Well, you know, and this is just me talking to you here. So I don't represent the university in any way, shape, or form. But we'd better have a really good answer to the question that when somebody like a Tony Motley would go, okay, why should I spend a whole boatload of money to, uh, to go to your college? You better have a good answer, you know? And, and I think before it was a little bit more like, well, you know, that's what you do. You go to college so you can, you know, you know, have a better life. Well, I think, you know, that's, you better have a really good, firm, strong answer right now. And I'm, I'm not sure we've done a great job. We not, we're not talking the university of Michigan, Dearborn, you know, it's just higher ed in general. I'm not sure that we've done a good job as we probably could have of, of selling this and saying, Hey, this is what you get when you get a college education. I think too, uh, there's an article in the New Yorker, I think about a week ago, and it just kind of addressed the idea of these more, more elite Harvard, more elite institutions and um, what their offerings are and how this pandemic is going to change all that. And the whole idea of spending a lot of money to go to a place uh, may not be an option for people anymore. And if you look at it from some perspectives, is it really worth the money? And I think uh, so now you're going to have people starting to rethink this mm-hmm. whole thing. And I think we, when you think about what uh, what it cost to go to college 50 years ago, you hear Elizabeth Warren had said that when she was campaigning for president, she was, you know, hundreds of dollars. Now you're talking tens of thousands of dollars for the, the, the same thing, I guess. But, I mean, it's it's gotten crazy, too, the pricing. I paid my way through college at Wayne State University in the 70s. Um, I was a copy boy at the Detroit Free Press sharpening pencils and doing errands and getting cigarettes for people. Um, I paid for my education out of a, on a copy boy's salary, uh, which was like a pittance. And uh, now, I mean, I, I can't, you, you couldn't do that. And uh, you just couldn't do that. Now, I'm, I'm not expert enough to know why that cost. Well, there are di- different reasons why that cost jumped over the years. One of them is that, that in our place, you know, in a lot of other places, we were getting maybe 80% of our budget out of Lansing. You know, now it's down to, it's under 20%. So the money from the state, you know, has been kind of drying up. 
oh, and this has happened over a period of time. That's part of it. There are a lot of other re- you know, reasons. I'm not familiar enough with all of the you know college you know, higher ed financing, but it, but that's an issue that you know you're raising a good issue there. You know, which is, I mean, how can you afford to do this these days? And I think is it worth it? Yes, and think about the educational outcomes. Are people are there? Have there been any? Is there any data? Any studies that say this is what you get when you're on campus versus this is the outcome for people who are doing it online? And is is there? Oh, that's a great question. I've never seen any data like that. Well, my guess is that as you're speaking, people are going to start putting this together. But that's a great question. That's a really good question, you know, and and uh, I don't know the answer to this. I can tell you anecdotally, and this is just anecdotally, um, the stuff that I've seen my students do online is, I mean, the, it's, it's as good as the stuff that they do in class. Um, I think what you're missing, though, is that kind of one-on-one or that, that group discussion uh, which you can kind of do online, but it, you know, like when you were in my class, you know, we were taught, we would start talking about something and you would chime in and people would react. And, and I always thought that was a very valuable experience for people. I you think know, there's, very, there's a community in a classroom and right. especially if you have a diverse classroom, you've got people from different backgrounds, different exactly. ages, and they can yep. share and having taken courses both in classrooms and online, you don't get that online you just no. you just don't and even if you no, if it's a course where people kind of have a discussion board and they could type out their answers it's not the same as people having the conversation no not at all not at all and and but you know what else are you going to do at this point you know um <clears throat> this is not going to last forever uh you know uh if you would tell me if you told me that this is going to last for another two years I wouldn't be wildly surprised, uh, but that's, you know, so it will get back, but in what form, who knows? I, I just don't know the answer to that. And, Nobody and, knows the answer. To and, that. I, and I think too, um, not it's changing education. And you, if you think about it more in the, the K-12 uh, realm, that's a whole nother thing. But I think it's, what I'm saying is that it's really going to change every part of our lives. Totally. Which we're seeing now, and I hear people fussing about let's get back to normal, and I just don't really think that's going to happen. And there's going to be a, a, a new normal. I think that's what it is. Right, uh, and, and you know, I mean, if you just think about what this is, <clears throat> excuse me, what this is touched. I mean, um, I always think about the, you know what's happened at Disney, right? The Disney Corporation, which you know, I always thought, okay. This is an unassailable empire, unassailable. There's no way you could ever take down Disney because it's everywhere, right? And look at what happens to these guys. Well, their theme parks, are, they're closed up right now. So they ain't going anywhere there. They've got some of like a cruise line. <laughs> well, Tony, what do you think is going to happen to the cruise line? They business? could give me a lifetime pass and I, I'd never go. Exactly. So I think a lot of people are going to be thinking twice about this. Um, ESPN. Well, wait a minute. That's like that was the big money maker of, of almost any network going. Well, there, there's no sports. So what are they doing? Not to mention, uh, you know, the, 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 the television and film industry is pretty much 
closed down. They're they're not producing much, uh, you know, at least not right now. So even Disney, which you never thought anything could touch them, you know, it was sort of like its own country practically. Well, even those folks have been clobbered. So everything from my neighborhood deli, you know, uh, do, you know, anything you can think of, it, it's, it's not the same anymore and it's not going to be the same. Um, I don't know how it's ever going to come back. Right. I don't know that, how it could be that way. That no, way. I don't, yeah. I don't think so either. And I think getting back to the, the subject at hand, I mean, again, how do you send little Johnny off to East Lansing or Palo Alto or Notre Dame or wherever and mm-hmm. just as a parent feel like he's or he or she is going to be safe. I don't know how, I don't know when we're going to get back to that. And I mean, there's yeah. always, there's always been a risk. I mean, you know, because there's other things that impact kids when they're, when they're away at school, but this is extreme. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I think you, I'm Dearborn, my place is a little bit more, we might be equipped to weather this somehow. In, in terms of if parents say, well, instead of sending my kid up to Northern, the kid's going to stay home and maybe, uh, maybe, you know, get a year under their belt over at U of M Dearborn or something like that. Maybe. I don't know that that's going to happen or not going to happen or uh, they're dealing with that. Uh, but I could, I could see that kind of outcome that, that we might have something to offer, you know, in, in, in that sphere. I'm told Wayne state may not be doing so bad. So, there you go. I mean, so maybe this is a, a bonus for commuter schools as opposed to the larger uh, residential institutions. That, that could be. That could be. It's hard to say what people, how people are going to decide. Well, exactly. You don't know. Um, you, you just don't know. So, I mean, it's, it's everybody's thinking about it and everybody's sort of grasping for answers and coming up with some pretty good theories and, 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 planning as best they can. But I think that everybody, you know, everybody's sort of just got to be fast on their feet um, to get through this thing. I think too, it, it kind of begs the question too, if, if my goal was to go to some big elite school and now it's not safe for me to do that, my parents aren't going to pay for it. And so I'm, I'm say forced to go to U of M Dearborn or Wayne state or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Are we, am I less educated? I mean, what's, I think we're, there's some perceptions about what we're getting from the the bigger, uh, more elite programs and what we're getting from other schools. And I know, I don't know how different it really is. No one really has talked about that. But that's a, that's a question that's in my mind. I mean, I, I can't go to Harvard now, so I'm going to go, you know, up the street to Wayne State or whatever. How worse off am I? Because I can't go I don't to some know. big school. You know, I you know, Tony you know, Tony, I've often sort of wondered that my entire life. You know, I'm a Wayne State guy. You know, I, that's that's where I went, you know, from from the beginning to to get you know, all the way up to my PhD. Um so I'm I'm thinking, okay, would I've well, let's put it this way. I think that if you have a Harvard degree, I think that helps your marketing yourself. But that's so, branding, uh, though. That's that's Harvard's exactly. branding, right? Exactly, it's Harvard's branding. So if they see Tony Motley, Harvard, now even if you don't know what the hell you're doing, you know, it's still Tony Harvard. Tony right. Motley, and that's Harvard. the definition of branding. It's there's this perception of you based on something, and and it may, like you say, it may or may not mean 
that I know more and smarter than it, I don't know. And I think you're right. I think people probably always think that nobody says it out loud, but people have always wondered that. Oh yeah. And I, and, I, and, and you know, now is the, the faculty at Harvard. Well, I mean, they've got, you know, people that are publishing stuff that, that will blow your mind uh, out there. My, one of my favorite historians is one by the name of Jill Lepore, uh, who's over at Harvard. Uh, she is beyond phenomenal. There aren't very many folks like her. Um, you know, I think we've got a really good faculty at UVM Dearborn, but sorry, folks, it, ain't, it really isn't Harvard. It's good. In fact, it's really good. But, you know, I think that there's, there's, a, there's a little bit of a difference there. Um, what we're, I think we're about is that I don't think at Harvard you can actually speak with the faculty members, you know, Whereas at our place, you know, I think the, the campus culture flat out is that if you're a faculty member, a student, uh, a student walks into your office, uh, you keep the door, you know, you offer, you know, can I get you a cup of coffee? Have a seat. Good to see you. Come on in, you know, and uh, here, what, what, what's up? What, what's on your mind? And, and that's our culture. I'm not sure. A lot of the other big elite places, I think you end up with a teaching assistant to say, oh, yes, you want to speak to Professor Motley? Uh, fat chance. What do you need? You know, right. I'll take care of it for him. Yeah. Right? And, so, and I uh, think, too, it's going to be, I think at some point, it's going to be, that idea is going to be challenged. I think there are going to always be uh, people that want to go to Harvard or whatever. But oh, yeah. I think uh, this is a reckoning for a lot of institutions because <laughs> when people can't pay, or people are terrified to be there. I don't know yeah. what the, the branding of Harvard can overcome that. Maybe not, you know, and, and, and so that, I mean, that's why everybody now is, excuse me. Uh, not, I don't know if you're calling it freaking out so much as, uh, okay, well, where do we go now? You know? So, uh, do you feel like within the people that you've talked to, uh, in in your circles, are they are they freaking out? No, they're not. No, uh, not at all. They're not freaking out. Um, I don't think that's the case in anybody I've talked to. Um, but there is a heavy feeling like, wait a minute, folks, things are not the same. Uh, we cannot continue to do the same old, same old. Um, that's not. Uh, you know, that's just, it's just not in the card. So I hate to use the word man up because that sort of maybe has some sexist implications, but it's basically, you know, the feeling, which is you better man up and you better deal with it. And man up, I mean, in a totally non-sexist term. Right. I understand uh, what you're saying. Now, I mean, yeah, yeah. you're a, a PhD in history. So what does history, I know this is unique, this hasn't happened before, but there is there any historical lesson or perspective that you could offer? Well, I just did a podcast on the 1918 flu pandemic um, across the world, but I concentrated on Detroit. Um, here in Detroit, there were four waves, four of them. Spring of 18, 1918, fall of 1918, another in 1919. Last fourth and final wave was the winter of 1920. Now, it, by the way, this coronavirus, it's called a novel coronavirus, N-O-V-E-L, because it's that we've never had that kind of, this kind of thing before. Uh, exactly. So it's hard to compare it 100% with 
what happened in 1918 with the Spanish flu. But the point being, it came back four times. Uh, and I think a lot of the experts now are saying this could easily, you know, it could recede for a while and then it could come back and it could come back in many waves. In other words, Detroit might be okay, but all of a sudden, you know, Kansas City or Denver or someplace like that goes boom like that. And, so, and I listened to your podcast, and the thing that struck me was that, like today, a lot of political and business leaders wanted to just get back to normal, and they rushed, they kind of jumped the gun on that. And that oh yeah. that helped uh, spread uh, the, the disease. And we see it and now. it works. Yeah, oh, exactly. So that's the other thing. There was a lot of pushback. And uh, then I'm like, now, uh, the governor said, uh, Albert Sleeper says, well, we're going to close the state. And uh, a lot of a lot of municipalities and places kind of said, uh, no, I don't think so. I'd rather not. And uh, it, it made it stick. So um, I, I think the difference between then and now also is, I mean, if you think of 1918, 1990, radio, there wasn't even such a thing as radio until 1920. So what do we got now? My God, we've got radio. We've got over-the-air television. We've got cable television. We got uh, we got the, the web. We got social media, and it's kind of in your not. I guess I don't know. Is in your face is the right word, uh, but it's ubiquitous. And I think that people you can't hide from it at this point. And uh, I think it's it's really helped to get the word out that, that if you go out, um, you know, you, you could be not only putting yourself at risk, but you could be putting a lot of other people at risk. I think that that message has been drilled down. I think, I think you're right. I think when you look at the polling data, it reflects that. Unfortunately, you've got this, and I I don't want to be political, but you've got politicians across the country in different states, governors that are not adhering to the, the government's own guidelines. Right. And so that's the problem. You know, so yeah, many exactly. people are ready to get back out there and do stuff, cut hair and uh, get tattoos and massages. It's, it, it, it's ridiculous, but yet, you know, this is what we're confronting right now. Exactly. And I think that, uh, you know, I, I think the other difference too is people are, you know, I think that when people, somebody says something stupid, uh, whatever that definite, that's not, we, we don't have to be political here, but if some, something, somebody says something that you don't particularly like before it was, you probably didn't have to hear it in 1918 because the only thing was out there really was newspapers and word of mouth. Now, I mean, you open up Facebook and there's some doofus saying something that makes you crazy. Uh, and, uh, I, I think that's sort of turned up the political pressure in a lot of different ways. Yeah. And I think it's, uh, it's inescapable now. I think that's the big difference as before where you were driven by newspapers. Uh, like yep. you said, there's so many, there's so much media out there and mm-hmm. it's, it's so opportune for people to find only the voices that they agree with and just dig in there and, and stay there. And so this, this kind of, but again, this crisis is so pervasive. It doesn't matter what you fool yourself into believing. If you come in contact with the wrong person 
or a wrong situation and you get it, you got it. And God knows what's going to happen to you at that point. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, I really, uh, you know, Tim, I really appreciate you uh, discussing this with uh, me and this audience. And uh, you also, I recommend to people the Detroit History Podcast that Tim produces is absolutely fantastic. I think, okay, well, thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah it yeah. is. I think anybody that has uh, any concern or interest in history has to download the Detroit History Podcast. And I think you know, we don't think of Detroit. Uh, uh, Detroit is a, is a city that's uh, on the border of uh, two countries, United States and Canada, and uh, is the heart of manufacturing for a long time, for a century at least, in, in uh, this country in a large way. And so uh, a lot of things that happened in industry and in politics happened in Detroit. And Tim, you really covered that really well and continue oh, to thanks. do so. So I appreciate you sharing your insights and thoughts with uh, the audience of Open Source. And I appreciate it, Tim Kiska. And we'll talk to the rest of you guys next time. Thanks. All right. Thank you, Tony. It's appreciate appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks, Tim. Open Source with Tony Motley is a production of Duet Digital Media and McLaughlin Media.